Coming up on Golf Today, say it ain't so, no Bryson Encore in Orlando as the big man bows out of the Arnold Palmer Invitational citing injury. What does it mean for next week's players and next month's Masters and beyond? And the Rolex number one Jin Young Ko back on the fairways and greens of the LPGA in Singapore. Is another five win season in store or will Nelly or Lydia or somebody wheel her in? And Zach Johnson goes one on one with Todd Lewis talking Ryder Cup captaincy and the journey from Cedar Rapids to the highest reaches of pro golf. Ryder Cup talk in March. Gimme gimme. It's golf today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. It's Golf Today on a Tuesday, and that, of course, the great Bay Hill Club and Lodge. It is Arnold Palmer Invitational Week, presented by MasterCard. That, the statue, brought to life back in 2017. Bruce Wolf created that statue. Stands 13 feet tall, 1,392 pounds. And of course, a memory for everyone walking by it, the great Mr. Palmer. It's his week, as we remember Arnie and all he did for the game of golf. Shane Bacon, Damon Hack, Tuesday of Bay Hill Week. It's going to be a good week, an exciting week. Got a lot of names that we expected to see in the field. Unfortunately, our finning champion not going to be there. You're right. No, Bryce. But can I just say I love this week, a former Orlando resident. I get a little you know, teary-eyed, some goosebumps. Emotional. This week, emotional. I was there a couple weeks ago hitting balls at the golf course. You know, I think the golf course in fantastic shape. Some might say the best shape it's ever been. And the rough is thick. You know, Arnold Palmer always loved to present a tough test to the best players in the world. I think that's exactly what they will get this week. When this place gets fiery, and we've seen it Ooh. over the last five years, we've seen this golf course play really, really tough. One of the toughest golf courses the pros play each and every year. When it gets firm and fast, these last three, four holes, I mean, you think about the way 17 has played over the last few years. You think about the way 18 has played in terms of how hard it is to simply just hit the fairway, yeah. much less try to make a par at the end to win this golf tournament, how important this tournament is mm. for these players. It is really a special moment. It feels like we're kind of starting to gear up yeah. in terms of what we see in championships. We get Bay Hill. We get the players. We start to inch closer and closer to Augusta National, and we've got an incredible field this week as well. Florida swing, spring swing, whatever you want to call it, a great time of year, but you mentioned it. No Bryson DeChambeau this year. Now, last year, he Tame Bay Hill, you recall me. He was Hugh Jackman, Shane. He was the greatest showman. Third round, 370 off the tee. Final round, he battered that by seven yards, 377. It was an incredible performance. Rarely do you remember shots and not the end result as much, but I feel like this was the moment from last year. Even over the victory and the sweater and the cardigan and everything was Bryson at the sixth. Height of his power, beloved figure in the game at this point, giving the fans what they came to see. And then, of course, 68-71 on the weekend to hold off Lee Westwood by a single shot for his eighth PGA Tour win, the cardigan and all that. But, yeah. Back in January at the Farmers, grimacing his way around the golf course, flexing his left wrist, going on to miss the cut, citing this left wrist soreness. And you don't want to be trying to play at Torrey Pines with a bad wrist. Yeah, I just have not seen much of Bryson. I mean, he's been battling injury all of 2022, a lot of 2021 at the end of the season. And you see just uncomfortable, uncomfortable swings. He looks uncomfortable trying to make his way around the golf tournament and, and as talented as the PGA Tour is right now and as deep as the PGA Tour is it's hard to play 
even remotely solid golf and making cut golf if you're at 90%. Yeah, and because of that, the results have been not what Bryson wants to see. We haven't seen much of him. You see the T25 at Century, the miscut in San Diego, and then, of course, the WD from the Saudi International. And then yesterday, this post on his decision to miss Bay Hill. All right, guys. Well, I've been hitting a couple balls in the simulator. I've been working hard on my game and working hard on our recovery. Um, man, tough decision right now. I have uh, a lot of work to do to get everything back into order for this week. I just feel like it's too short a time for me to get back 100% playing at 100% capacity. Right, right now I'm like 90%. I just don't want to go out there and hurt myself even more and not be 100% ready for the rest of the season. I don't want to come back early and then have to take more time off. Um, so it's a hard decision I have to make right now, but going to have to, unfortunately, not play this week. I wanted to thank uh, the Palmer family and all they've done. They've been a tremendous support to me and my professional golf career. And at this current point in time, I've got to take uh, another week off, and I'm going to try and get back and play for the players. But as of right now, I just I just can't risk it going out there and having it re-aggravate. This has been one of the hardest moments in my life, like I said in the last post because I'm not able to do much. And yeah, although I can hit some golf balls, it's not comfortable, it's not fully comfortable. A bit frustrating, but again, I appreciate y'all's support. I love you guys. I wanna get back out there as soon as possible. It's just not ready yet. See, go back, going back to Bay Hill last year, and Bryson, you said hi to power, just getting a chance to watch him really lean on the power to dominate a golf course and dominate certain holes that feel like they were undominatable. I mean, you yeah. think about the sixth hole, the par five, it was hit it out here, and it was layup, and you hit a wedge on the green. John Daly taking the hole on before in previous iterations of this event, but to see Bryson actually lean on the driver and pull it off and to pick up strokes on the field through one hole. I mean, the, yeah. the one hole, the par five, he's picking up a stroke on the field. To not have him here is a bummer because love the guy or not love the guy, Bryson is good for golf because he's a figure out there that you can root for or not root for. And, and golf doesn't have a whole bunch of that right now out on, on the PGA Tour. It's a miss uh, on the PGA Tour schedule. It was something I was looking forward to. Surely the fans at home, you know, whether you're a Bryson fan or detractor, he is someone that you watch, you are interested in. He elevates the discussion in the game. I found that, you know, kind of apology or explanation even interesting to, to go on social media. And listen, I spoke to his coach, Mike Scheid, not too long ago, about a year ago, about, you know, the U.S. Open win and the Arnold Palmer win. And that Mike told me that beyond the major championships, the invitationals mean a lot to Bryson. The memorial, the genesis, the Arnold Palmer invitational. He holds those tournaments in particular in extremely high regard. So I do think while the the, the social media post might be a little clunky with all the weird cuts and a lot, and, of, edits. And a lot of edits to it. And, hey, you know, he's not going to get the pit points he might have gotten this week. Had he been in the field, we know how many, you know, replays that great shot in, on the par 5-6 got last year. So, listen, whether it's a play for pit points or not, I do think there's some genuine regret that he's not going to be able to play in a golf tournament that I believe means a lot to him. And potentially not going to play in these big events coming up. I mean, when he talks about being 90%, I mean, you're hoping that he's 95% next week at yeah. the players and hoping he's getting closer to 100% around Augusta National. And he's talked so much about the importance of the Masters and still trying to figure out how to go about his business at Augusta National, considering the limitations in how terms of material. There? How do you get there when you're hurt? When, when, when your game is about Time, power I, I don't know. and speed and you have to prep and ramp up for these events that you so desperately want to win, how do you get there when you can't 
Go about your business the way you want to. Well, he's won, he's won championships without being the most powerful man in golf. He has done that before. So maybe it's leaning a little bit more on the other parts of his mm. game or practicing those things around the game. We've talked a lot about his putting. I mean, you go back to Wingfoot and the way he rolled the rock that week was as good as anybody in the field. Yeah. When Bryson leans on the other parts of his game, he's still one of the best players in the world. But you don't get those moments at six at Bay Hill. I mean, yeah. you won't get that where he's going to try to hit it miles over the trees on 13 at Augusta National if he's 90 to 95 uh, yeah. percent. But Bryson not in the field. We still have a ton of big names mm. in the field this week at Bay Hill. Excited to see some of the best in the world back and hopefully in form. You see six of the top ten in the world rankings, five former champions, including Rory McIlroy, Tyrrell Hatton in the field as well. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. 16 that? major winners as well, 10 European Ryder Cup members in the field. So we've got a good group that will be out at Bay Hill, including former champions like Rory McIlroy, I know Rory is someone that you're focused on, not just this week, but this year. Tell you what, with Bryson you know, not playing this week, I think that the spotlight goes directly on Rory McIlroy. He becomes the most fascinating player in the field to me. Someone who has won the Arnold Palmer Invitational, did it back in 2018, stopping all over that golf course, you know, chipping in, holing out, making us remember who he is at the height of his power. I mean, how many moments have we seen from Tiger Woods on this screen? Look at this celebration in 2018. And who did he beat by three shots? Oh, Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> if you remember. And now listen, Rory has won this season. He has looked in the mirror and said, you know what, I like who I see. Is everything in place now? It's March. We flipped the calendar from February. You know, we're starting to see some 60-degree days in the in the Northeast. It, it's golf season. And this is the time of year where typically Rory performs. He has won this tournament. He has won the players. We know what's missing on the resume. I think at the age of 32, with what he has told us, healthy, family in place, liking who he sees in the mirror, knowing that his game is good enough, now is the time to shine. It plays into what I'm looking for this week as well, D, because I'm ready for the superstars to start playing some golf. Okay. I mean, when you look at 2022 on the PGA Tour, and I will never take away anything from people that go out there and win golf tournaments. You face the field, you face, you play the golf course, you play. But when you look at 2021 versus what we've seen in 2022, it hasn't been full of superstars mm. winning golf tournaments. I mean, at this point last season, in the calendar year of 2021, at this point we'd had Patrick Reed, Brooks, Berger, Max Homa at Rib, and Colin Morikawa all winning already to this point as we are getting closer to closer to Bay Hill. What do we get those next two weeks? We get Bryson winning at Bay Hill. Right. And we get Justin Thomas winning at the players. The average world ranking of the 2022 winners on the PGA Tour, their average world ranking going into their win, 81 in the world. And wow. again, I am not taking anything away from players that win. The Hudson Swaffords and the Luke List and the Hoagies and the Schefflers and the Neemans and the Seth Strakas that win these golf tournaments. But I need some of these big name superstars to start to buck their head. I need them to get in contention and I need them to win. It hasn't been a bad year for some of these yeah. players like John Rahm and Colin Morikawa. And as you mentioned, you know, Rory McIlroy already with the victory and Hideki playing great golf. Yeah. But I'd like to see some of the guys on the billboards and some of the guys on the commercials 
taking home some trophies, and I feel like this is the week it could start. You're speaking my language. It's time for Justin Thomas to throw his weight around. It's time for John Rahm to throw his weight around. Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, I mean, the big-ticket players. And listen, we talk about how hard it is to win week to week, and Shane Lowry beautifully put it last week at the Honda Classic, how hard it is to win on the PGA Tour. But you're right, and we love the underdog stories. I mean, Sepp Straka battled the chipping yips in college. Right. It wasn't even the, the, the best player in his own family. His twin brother was better. I like those stories, too. But, man, I, I love it when superstars perform. You know, I love it when the best, you know, across sports, whether it's Steph Curry or Tom Brady or, or, or Jordan Spieth or Justin Thompson, you want to see the, the best at their best. And I think that's what I've been missing from Rory. And that's why, and I, and I, it's, it's like a, a monthly thing here on Golf Today where I want to hold his feet to the fire because I just love to see him perform at the height of his power. He has a skill set that I, we, we rarely see in this game. The big high right-to-left draw. I want to see Rory on this golf course in particular where he can attack the par fives. I want to see Rory McIlroy be Rory McIlroy, and that will help your stat as well, seeing some of the best players kind of raise the average world golf ranking in terms of victories. I mean, there's beauty in some of these names. Oh. I mean, there, there's stories in some yes. of these names. We've interviewed some of the champions in 2022, but it's no surprise when you think about the world ranking of the winners that we've seen this year and how many first-time winners have gone on out there on the PGA Tour this year. Justin Ray throwing this on social media up today about the first-time winners on the PGA Tour. I mean, you've seen four first-time PGA Tour winners already. I mean, we're just into March in 2022. This is the first calendar year with four first-time winners before March 1st since 2002. I mean, think about the names dominating golf back in 02, now 20 years later in 2022. But I kind of go back to 2021 being the year of everybody kind of returning to glory. Okay. Rory and Lydia, and we've seen Hideki, so many of these names returning glory. Jordan Spieth, remember how dominating Jordan Spieth was early in 2021. Yeah. I just need to see a little something from the guys that we want to see something from. I, I may be a prisoner of the Tiger era. I, I'd like to think that if Ben Hogan were playing golf today and golf today was on and, or Twitter existed, that we would hold Ben Hogan to a high standard and say, listen, I want to see the guy hitting greens and, and being – you know, Ben Hogan, and I want to see Sam Snead being the athlete with the graceful swing who can kick a, the ceiling, you know, with, with one leg on the ground. I mean, I think it's okay to say that John Rahm having one win uh, you know, in his last year or so, and it's a great win, we know, is not enough. And, and right. maybe I'm, you know, jaded by seeing, you know, VJ win nine times in 2004 and seeing Tiger do Tiger things. But I think that the best players in the world, I want them to be unhappy. I want Justin Thomas to be feisty and say, you know what, my 2021, I won the players. It wasn't a great year. I had a, a good weekend. You know, I want to see the best players in this game be Steph Curry. Own the sport. Dominate the sport. And I know it's hard to win. But doggone it, if you want to be talked about in the way that Tiger was talked about and Jack was talked about, go out and do those things. And that's, that's just what's what I want. And, and, I, and I don't need to hear that just wait and watch. You know, Kepka saying that earlier in this year, my best is yet to come, just wait. You know, mm. we're waiting. Like, let, let's, let's see it. Because yeah. these are weeks and these are stretches in golf where if you're going to have a dominating year, you got to start winning golf tournaments. Yeah. And you said it. Maybe we won't see – VJ winning nine times again. I don't think we're going to see much multiple year wins I'll in take general. Three, Shane. But that's what I'm saying. I'll take three. I, I, three or four in yeah. one year from one of these names would do a lot 
for the PGA Tour. And considering it's a shuffle game with all these big names, yeah. who's the best in the world? One week it's Colin Morikawa, and the next week it's Justin Thomas, and the next week it's Brooks, and the next week it's Rory. I'd like someone to kind of grab 2022 and mm. say, all right, this is going to be the year. Nobody else wants to go out there and win. Nobody else wants to go out there and dominate. I'll do it. I'll take it. And hopefully this is the first step. I think the calendar turning to March, you know, I was, I was on my computer last night. I was looking at old leaderboards. One of my boys, Reese, was kind of looking over my <laughs> shoulder and seeing some names. I mean, this is the time of year where the golf fans particularly get the juices flowing. And I hope that the best players in the world uh, do the same thing. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. We're back on golf today as we continue our discussions on race and sports in America moving golf forward. And back in November, Lee Elder, who broke the color barrier at the Masters, passed away at the age of 87. Elder won four times on the PGA Tour, but it was his fights against exclusivity that will be remembered far more than his play. He was a champion of racial justice and was a pioneer who shredded the ropes of segregation at Augusta National. He became the first black golfer to participate in the Masters in 1975. Back in 2019, Lee Elder received the Bob Jones Award, the USGA's highest honor. In Elder's honor, the Country Club, in partnership with the USGA, has established the Lee Elder Internship, a one-week immersive experience at the 2022 U.S. Open. The program is designed to introduce underrepresented youth to the game and its core values, while also showcasing golf's many career pathways. Over the course of a week, 25 individuals will be exposed to multiple facets of the business of golf and gain firsthand experience and insight from industry leaders. As we welcome in Macy Russell, the founder of the Lee Elder Internship. Macy, always great to see you. The idea of this internship, how did it come about? Well, I think it was a combination of uh, my discussions with Lee Elder over the years about how to make golf more diverse and inclusive, uh, along with my work on diversity, equity, inclusion in the legal profession, um, where I've been doing a lot of work in that area for the past 25 years. Macy, what will the young people experience during the U.S. Open? Well, it's going to be a crash course. Um, we, they're going to learn quite a bit about uh, beginning with 
What does it take to be successful in corporate America as a young person of color, as a diverse person? Uh, what, what do you need to know about uh, leadership? What do you need to know about uh, confronting issues that might take place in the, in the workplace? But more importantly, uh, how do we prepare you uh, so that you are able to compete for jobs um, on a level playing field? Uh, with others who may have had more advantages than you in life. Macy, can you take us back to 2019 when Mr. Elder won the Bob Jones Award and he let the audience know and let everybody know watching what Lee told you in terms of the next steps for golf? You know, we're having a conversation. It was kind of interesting. We, uh, we just finished having lunch with, with, with Gary Player, uh, where Gary and Lee were talking about their experiences in South Africa um, in the 1970s. And, and as we're leaving, I said, Lee, what, what do you want going forward? You, have, you now have this great award. And he looked at me and said, we have to make golf more diverse. We need to get more people of color playing the game of golf. And it's clearly because it's a game that he loved and dedicated his life to. Um, and he knows what he went through in order to play golf at a high level. And I think he wanted that opportunity to be created for others. Um, not just on the playing field, but also in the corporate boardrooms and other places where the business of golf takes place. Macy was a great man, but also a great friend to many. What did you appreciate the most about your friendship with Lee? Well, Lee was great in terms of, like, he was kind of like his own little rock star. Like, every time he went to a golf tournament with him, uh, people would be coming up to him, and he would introduce you to people, and you'd be like, was that Daryl Royal, who was the coach of Texas, and he says, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but meeting people um, and also hearing his stories uh, over the years about what he went through as a, as a young man uh, to learn how to play golf, and then later uh, how he tried um, and to get on to the, the PGA Tour. Um, and then he had stories about everybody. If you ask him about Hank Aaron, oh, yeah, Hank Aaron and I used to talk all the time. Um, they became good buddies. Obviously, the time Hank Aaron was looking to break Babe Ruth's record, it was about the same time Lee Elder was going to the Masters. And then he told me stories about Jackie Robinson and Joe Lewis and Martin Luther King. And he was just like this walking history book of all things that were happening in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. But the last thing I would say is the way he treats people and the way he cares about everyone. He just had a genuine way about him whether you were serving him, whether you were somebody you'd run into him in the elevator, he would always smile and say hello. And that was, that would, it took a while for me to understand how someone who went through all the things that he went through uh, growing up in the, in the South uh, during segregation to be such a such an open and, and, and peaceful guy. Um, and he treated everyone with respect. Macy, transitioning back to the internship, you know, we hear a lot about introducing young kids to golf. But what are the keys to making it stick with young people? How do you get them from observing the game of golf to loving the game of golf? Well, I think you have to change the, the narrative and the perspective of, of golf. I think if you look at golf, you would think, you know, it's a sport that only white people play. Uh, but in fact, uh, there are people, black people in particular, that have been playing golf dating back to the formation of the United Golfers Association in 1926. Uh, so the, the question is, how do we create opportunities 
so that golf is more visible. Uh, and so golf is something you can see in all the racial and ethnic groups in the country. Um, and so there are some things that we can do. The internship program is one of them. And we're working on some other strategies that might bring, for example, uh, golf to, to boys and girls clubs um, and inner city locations. We're in the wintertime, like up here in Boston, um, having kids hit balls into a net with a simulator um, might be a great thing for kids to do, uh, especially if they're kids who can't dunk a basketball or are not going to play, you know, football or other sports. Macy, a lot of major championships have great traditions, champions dinners and things like that. How much will this internship become a part of U.S. Open Weeks going forward beyond Brookline? So our, our hope is that it will uh, continue. Uh, we work really hard to build a structure uh, that can be used by clubs going forward. We have received some inquiries from uh, the clubs in, in, in California and North Carolina about the program, but we're structuring it in a way that what we hope is that the expectation will be that we'll continue to do this. So we bring 25 students in uh, this year. Uh, someone brings 25 students in next year. You know, uh, there's a possibility for other major championships to try to do the same thing. Uh, so I think it's something that's really valuable. I think what we're trying to do with the internship program is answer the question that people often have. Uh, we don't know where to find diverse talent. Well, sometimes you just have to build diverse talent. And that's what we're trying to do. And we hope that clubs going forward will look to do the same thing. Macy, so much to look forward to this coming June at the U.S. Open. A lot of lives will be positively affected. Thanks so much for sharing this story and sharing your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Macy Russell, founder of the Lee Elder Internship. Much more to do on this Tuesday. We'll take you out to Bay Hill Club and Lodge. Cameron Champ, three-time winner on the PGA Tour. Very outspoken in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, not just in golf, but in life. Golf Today, back after this. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Back on Golf Today, big news on Monday as two-time major champion Zach Johnson was named the 2023 U.S. Ryder Cup captain. Johnson, a five-time team member and two-time assistant captain, for the United States. A look at Zach Johnson's career. It's been a very, very impressive one. 
Got on tour back in 04, 12 PGA Tour wins, including, of course, the two major championships in 07 at Augusta National, 2015 won in a playoff at St. Andrews, has made five Ryder Cups, four President's Cups, and the 2020 Payne Stewart Award winner. And following the news on Monday, Zach sat down with our own Todd Lewis. Zach, how would you describe the honor of mm. being the United States Ryder Cup captain? It's, it's, it's extremely hard to articulate what that honor is. I mean, it, it is an honor of a lifetime. You know, everybody talks about, well, hey, you know, where do you rank it? And this, I mean, it's, it's exceeded any, any expectations I've had in the game. Certainly exceeded any dream I've even thought about. The best way to describe it is, is I'm, I'm, I'm humbled in the sense that I have individuals around me, friends of mine, peers of mine, guys I compete with, guys I've looked up to, Guys that were my captains said it, hey, it's your turn, it's your time. And, and, and then you get the resounding support of the PGA of America and all of its individuals. You know, I had to really kind of dig deep and say, you know what, maybe, maybe it is my time. You know, I, I, I want to represent Team USA to whatever capacity that is I, I can live with. But if, if, if these individuals say, hey, it's your time, I can welcome that. I can embrace that. Uh, it is, without question, a distinct honor of a lifetime. Why do you think it's your time? I think it's uh, probably a number of reasons. I mean, it's just kind of the way time has unfolded, certainly. Uh, I would like to think it's probably because, uh, you know, obviously I have some experience in this event, in the Ryder Cup, um, played in five. Obviously been a, uh, in the serving role of vice captain a couple times with Jim and Steve. And then some of the players that are really playing at a high level right now understand kind of where I'm at from a mental standpoint, the way I operate, the way I systematically go about my work. There's maybe some uh, positives there that could be helpful for the team. You know, and I think that the other factor that's kind of nice is the fact that I'm, I'm still playing. I mean, I can still, I'm, you know, somewhat relevant on the PGA Tour as a golfer. And, and I think that's, that's, that can be an asset. I mean, I can go play practice rounds with these guys. I can take them out to eat or whatever it may be. I mean, I have that ability. And so, I'm kind of right in the middle there. I mean, I'm kind of, you know, someone coined, I mean, I'm kind of old school, but yet also kind of new school. You know, I mean, I certainly could be the dad to some of these guys, but, you know, I can still uh, hang out with some of those younger guys too. So um, it's probably all of that. We've heard players say, great players say, the most pressure-filled shot is on the first tee mm -hmm. of the Ryder Cup. Mm -hmm. You've experienced that. Mm -hmm. So you're only officially now a day or two as a captain, how do you compare the pressure of a player to the pressure of being a captain? That's a really good question. Um, I remember when Tiger Woods was a vice captain in 2016 at Hazeltine and did an amazing job. I mean, seeing him work and basically serve the team however Captain uh, Davis wanted him to, he did it. They're both fantastic. I mean, to whatever honor capacity you can be a part of that team you're going to do it you know i mean the dumb cliche is if i got to make the pb and j's i'll do it you know but you will i mean you just will tiger also said man it's a lot easier playing in these things because so much of what you want to see or, or you want to have happen is out of your control that's also the beauty of it too right I mean, that's that's the beauty of serving that's the beauty of like um being a sounding board or being an outlet for the guys that actually are competing. You want to make their time easy. 
You want, you, want to, you want to give them the freedom to be themselves and go out and compete at a high level. But then also have fun. So it, it, it's, it's difficult, but it's an awesome responsibility. It is a surprising statistic. 30 years since the United States mm -hmm. won in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, what has been, in your opinion, missing on the road for Team USA, and how do you fix it? I, I don't know if there's one thing or even a, a, a list of things that are missing, I mean, outside of the fact that the scoreboard hasn't been in our favor, right? I don't know. I do know that the 2023 team will be an entirely different team than 2018, 14, 10, and beyond. What's going to be different is that I'm going to be the leader, and I'm going to approach it in the sense that, hey, you know what? This is a very special opportunity. I do not need to relay to them the gravity of the situation or what hasn't transpired. Those are all knowns. I, it's no reason for me to harp on that. They, they're, they're, they're smart individuals. They're not foolish. I'm going to give them a platform where they can be themselves, ideally approach this week as if it's any other week, even though it's not, but give them the freedom to approach the game of golf the way they are used to. And if that's the case, if they can accept the mere fact that it's going to be hard, but love that, embrace that, relish that, I think the I think good things can happen. I know ultimately the goal is to keep this. Mm. But are there some joys that you are anticipating in this process mm. as a captain? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I, uh, I play an individual game. Granted, I have a team. I've got a massive team, coaches and family and friends. And I feel like I'm, I'm an ambassador of some great companies, entities. So I, I fully appreciate that. It's not necessarily an individual game in that sense. But when it comes to hitting the shots, I'm the only one doing it, right? So I, I am looking forward to and relish a few things. Number one, being a part of a team with other guys, a team that, frankly, has never existed at least in the way, um, you know, to date. Um, that, that's exciting. I am looking forward to uh, seeing and witnessing these guys hone their craft and, and do what they do best. I mean, that, it, I know that sounds very cliche, but it is. I mean, I, the simplicity of them going out there and competing for their nation, it just it gives me fire, and I, I look forward to that. And then lastly, experiencing this with my wife, Kim, and my family is really special. Why? I mean, I'm much more than a golfer, so um, I like to think I'm much more than a captain. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, that's where it starts. So. And if you're thinking about a family vacation, might I suggest go to a Ryder Cup. Look where it's at over the next few years. We got Italy, and then you got New York, and then you got Ireland, and then you got Hazeltine. It's got some great golf courses upcoming, of course, Olympic Club in there as well as is Congressional in 2037. Not sure who's going to be on that team. Excited to see who will be on the 2023 edition of the Ryder Cup. Well, coming up next, world number one, Jin Young Ko makes her de debut on the LPGA Tour. She's coming off a five-win season. What's the over-under? She does it again. Let me say, points bet is playing it very safe. That's next. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet.
Another hour of golf today, live. Look at Bay Hill Club and Lodge, the par 317. I mean, you better hit it high, oh. and you better have good aim. You better have a strong nerve. See, with Arnold Palmer's winner home for so many years, he loved to present the best with a stern test. And I tell you what, those last couple holes, stern indeed. I tell you what, he loved to present the golf course with a wink and a smile and a joke and some thick rough as well. We celebrate the Arnold Palmer Invitational presented by MasterCard. Damon Ack alongside Shane Bacon. Big week in the game. Lots going on. I got goosebumps already. I love this week in particular. I need a good mix to finish golf tournaments. When you think about golf courses yeah. for golf tournament play, I need a par five to finish. I need a par three to finish. Yeah. I need a par four to finish, especially if the par four is relatively tough. What better place than those three holes to finish this great golf? Course? Yeah, this was Arnold Palmer's philosophy here. Pete Dye also, you know, wanted to finish the golf course with some volatility yes. and some big numbers and some small numbers and a par five, par three, par four finish. And this is really, we're starting to kind of dig into the spring swing. Some may call it the Florida swing. I just love the change in venue. I'm a West Coast guy, as you know. I love the, the Poan and all right. that. I'm partial to Pebble and, and Riv and San Diego. But, you know, you get the juices flowing a little bit when you hit Florida. I think the West Coast swing is my favorite time of the year okay. in terms of the PGA Tour yeah. scheduling. I mean, I love, to your point, I, I love Phoenix. I love Riviera. I love getting to see Pebble Beach. I even love to start the season in Hawaii. But mm. there's a different feeling when you get to Florida. It feels a little more serious. Yeah. It feels like everybody understands that they've had a couple of months to kind of, you know, knock off whatever rust is there from, what, eight weeks off for most professional golfers. But now you get to a point in the schedule where it's serious golf on serious golf courses. And Bay Hill is the start of it. This is a golf course that can play as tough as any place on the PGA Tour. When you win this, it feels enormous. You mentioned Bryson DeChambeau talking about mm. winning invitationals, how big they feel compared to major championships. And then we get into the players, and then all of a sudden we're at Augusta National. This is the time of year where players need to start playing because it's serious time to get going. Yeah, the conversations get a little shorter you know, with the reporters and the players. Like in Hawaii, it's like, hey, you know, let's do a walk this shot. We'll talk for Yeah, you like my new pants? <laughs> I got new shoes. We'll talk for 10 minutes. Then you get the, the West Coast swing. The conversations get a little shorter. By, by March, you know, you're like, I can't talk right now. I got to go work on my putting. I mean, this is, this is the time, as you say, to get serious. We are on to Cincinnati, to your <laughs> exactly. point. Well, how about this week in golf? We got a whole bunch of stuff happening in and around not just professional golf, collegiate golf as well. Darius Rucker in a collegiate today, 2.30 p.m. Second round coverage here on golf. HSBC Women's. That's going to be in the evening. Starting Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Magical Kenya Open on DP World Tour. We got Puerto Rico. We got Arnold Palmer. I mean, we got golf everywhere. We do. Love this time of year. I love a busy calendar, busy schedule. Kind of sit back. If you're working from home, be sure to flip on Golf Channel from time to time as we open up the Jin Young co-file on this Tuesday. A thick file. Thick file. Lots to appreciate. I mean, kind of a slow start to the year. Then you get to the 2021 Volunteers of America Classic shot 16 under for the tournament one shot win over Matilda Castron. She's trying to chase down Nellie Corder for all the like season ending trophies and awards. Nellie started the season just very loud and it was Jin Young Ko who ended the season even louder. This in Portland. Long putt. That one drops 11 under for the tournament a victory as well. Jin Young Ko yeah. just impressive in these final rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Shot the 69, 67, 69, four-shot win. We move on to the Founders' Cup. Four-shot victory over Caroline Masson of Germany. How about 63, 68, 69, 66? Consistency, thy name is Jin Young Ko. <laughs>
Wow. What do, you, what do you do? You got all these trophies. Are you just mailing them home? Like, I mean, how are you getting these things home? It's not one trophy. It's not true trophies. You're talking five trophies in one season. Most of those coming at the end of the season. Yeah, I love the shot she hits to win the BMW Ladies Championship. How about win number five? The season ender, the CME Group Tour Championship, 23 under for the tournament. Shot 63 in the final round, hit her final 63 greens. I guess 63, a very good number for Jin Young Ko. I look at some of the ridiculous D. Yeah, dude, I was. I will highlight them, yeah. hold it, ridiculous. So we prepped sometime the night before the show. I wanted to kind of look at her accomplishments. And this is how she ended. Her year, 63 of 63 greens in regulation, won the CME for the second year in a row, won the LPGA Player of the Year for the second time in three years. She won five of her last nine starts and, yes, earned her 17th point of the 27 needed for the LPGA Hall of Fame. Absolute baller. Can't back up a season of five wins with another season of five wins, right? Well, points bet okay. thinks that's got a very good chance of happening. Points bet has the odds for Jin Young Ko's 2022 over. Remember, four and a half wins. She's got to win five times, and Ooh. that is just plus 300. That is not that big of a number considering the accomplishment we're talking about. Under four and a half wins, minus 400. When you talk about Jin Young Ko and what she is able to do, she is so impressive. A look at some of the five win seasons since 2012. Jin Young Ko, Harry Jatanagarn on the list, MB Park, Lydia, MB Park again back in 2013. We just don't see this that often. Don't see it that often on the PGA Tour, but a little more often on the LPGA Tour of late. And I tell you, I mean, this is a young woman. She's 26 years of age. She has 12 LPGA Tour wins. She has 12 KLPGA Tour wins. She has a couple of major championships. And if you talk to great players across sports, Shane, it's about can you do it again? Right. You know, greatness over one season or two seasons is fine. But the Wayne Gretzky's, the Tom Brady's, the Michael Jordan's who come back and do it year after year after year. I was digging into some of the numbers. 2018, first in greens and regulation. 2019, first in greens and regulation. <laughs> 2020, not enough stats because of COVID. 2021, second in greens and regulation. Her consistency to play against this player, she just doesn't make a lot of mistakes like Annika Sorenstam. Fairways, greens, make putts. That's very, very hard to defend against. Jin Young Ko, in my opinion, was the most underrated athlete of 2021. Mm. What she was able to do in professional golf did not get enough fanfare in terms of big sports media talking about what Jin Young Ko did. And I think Nellie Korda played into that a bit considering how impressive she was as well. Yeah. It was her breakout season. But from August of last season on, Jin Young Ko's average finish, average finish, was second. That was her average finish in, in professional golf. I mean, that doesn't happen in professional golf anymore. In her last five events, she had two 63s, two 64s, a 65, five 66s, five 66s. three 67s, two 68s, three 69s, one round in the 70s. She shot 64 or lower D as often as she shot 69 or mm. higher in her last five events. These aren't two events. This isn't one great week of tournament play. This is month after month after month. And to your point and some of those stats, when you dive into them, this is year after year after year. Yeah, and doing so last year with a heavy heart, you know, feeling like a, a bad granddaughter or grandmother was sick and she felt like she wasn't spending enough time with her. So there's that emotional aspect of it. Also, the physical aspect. You'll recall last year in Naples, she had an injured left wrist that she was playing through, not able to practice, hit as many balls as she did. What did she do? She had 63 of her last 63 <laughs> greens in regulation. And also, having this great finish, Shane, 
after Nelly Korda had announced right. herself as, I am the best player in the world. And Jin Young Ko to catch her and pass her at the tape when Nelly Korda immediately said, you know, I'm, I'm a bit fatigued. And, you know, I got to find a way to find the energy to finish the year strong. I don't think it's an accident that we're not seeing Nelly Korda this week in Singapore as she's trying to kind of pace herself for 2022. But what a way to close out the season for Jin Young Ko, considering the emotional distress of the family situation and also the physical distress uh, in her wrist. Makes it look so easy, makes it look simple, makes this game look beatable. I mean, and that's what Jin Young Ko has done throughout her career, and not just in 2021, is she can beat at times the sport of golf mm. when nobody else can. And again, I, I think not just Jin Young Ko being the underrated story of 2021, mm. but this rivalry headed into 2022, this opportunity to watch two superstars from two different places that are both obsessed with golf and very hungry for golf, getting a chance to latch on to one yeah. and to root for one, combining for 10 wins, mm. an Olympic gold, major championships. I mean, these are what we want in this sport because we don't get it as much. We said off the top of this show, we want to see more superstars on the PGA Tour go out there and win. We're getting that on the LPGA Tour, and it's thanks to names like Nelly, and it's very much the thanks to the end of the year from Jin Young Ko. Awesome time on the LPGA Tour. Let's take a look at the official uh, rankings for the we, the women, of course, the Rolex World Rankings. You see Jin Young Ko. Look, look at the, the lead over Nelly Corder. Very, very slight and slim, but I want to focus on the world number three, Lydia Ko, because there was a time that the name Ko it meant Lydia Ko right. in the women's game, and she started to come back. This was the game bridge earlier this season. You know, already a winner now, taking home the title at Boca Rio, playing alongside Danielle King, someone she calls her uni, her aunt. And this win showed a lot to me because, you know, there's a lot of deference that Lydia has for Daniel King, someone who is a bit older, someone who is a bit of a mentor. But Lydia absolutely stared her down. So I guess the question is, does Lydia deserve a seat at the table, at the conversation of Jin Young Ko and Nelly Corder? Will this be a two-player race, a three-player race, or does... Leona McGuire and Daniel Kang make it even a bigger table. Well, there's a table. It's like a wedding. There's a table for the bride and there's groom. There's table one. There's, there's okay. table here. They have a sweetheart table. Everybody else can sit okay. elsewhere. Uh, I, I'm actually looking at Daniel Kang and not Lydia Ko as an enormous 2022. I think okay. Daniel Kang is setting herself up for the way she's played through these three events. She's played some great golf and already picking up a victory, and she needed it after 2021. Important for her to get the win. But these players have to join the table. I mean, they're yeah. not going to invite other seats to come join them. I mean, they're there eating cake, yeah. enjoying their time as the two best players in the world. It's on other players to go out there and win. It's not to contend. It's not to play consistent golf. You're talking about two players that won ten times. Ten times is a lot of victories yeah. for two players in the world. So, for me, it is two players and two players only with maybe five or six names that could potentially join the table if they pick up a second or third win by the time we get to the summer. How fascinating what Beth Ann Nichols told us last hour about NB Park saying, I am the same player. <laughs> These other players yes. have taken the game to another level. That Nelly has taken the game to another level. That Jin Young Ko has taken the game, her game, to another level. And, and NB Park is still a top 10 player and one of the greats of all time, obviously. But she feels she has to throw a perfect game just to be able to take home a trophy on a Sunday evening. Can't be stagnant in professional sports right now. We were talking before the show started about John Morant in the NBA. And yeah. when you see these athletes take those steps and they take one step and you go, okay, this person is so impressive. We saw it in the NFL this year with mm. certain quarterbacks seem to play themselves into that table, into that elite group. We see it in so many sports. And for these players, this is not a stagnant sport. And we're seeing it both in men's side and the women's side 
of professional golf right now, you cannot be stagnant. You're going backwards. Yeah. You've got to improve. You've got to get longer. You've got to get more precise. You've got to become a better putter. Look at some of the names on the PGA Tour that we discuss in this yeah. same vein. Rory McIlroy, where are you? Jordan Spieth, you were so dominant for so long. Justin Thomas, after the players kind of went away, it's hard to be dominant and consistent. Mm. And for the players on the PGA Tour, much like a lot of these players on the LPGA Tour to think MB Park saying, you know, I've got to play my best golf to win Remarkable. is so wild to think. But MB Park was dominant a few years back, and there are going to be players coming up each and every year that are hungry and they're ready to win golf tournaments. They don't wait anymore. There's no waiting in professional golf anymore. Mm. You're 17, you're 18, you're 19. You're expected to go out there and win if you have the game to do so. I told you during the break I've been a little bit derelict and not posting enough on social. I may have to put the LPGA hoodie on. Get it on! And take a photo and make it an Instagram story. I am fascinated by the year upcoming on the LPJ Tour. Let's take a look at who's in the race for the CME Globe. This is kind of the race that binds the LPGA season together, much like the FedEx Cup on the fellas side. You see Daniel Kang, you mentioned her. What a great start she's had in the year. Lydia Ko as well. Leona McGuire, a winner. Brooke Henderson. Got to love the player from Canada. Look at that, that list. Just look just at the list, though. Major champs. Stacey major Lewis champ. on the list. Great court on the list. I know it's early. Yuka Sasso. I mean, these are superstars, D, that are making noises three, through three tournaments. Celine Boutier from France. Duke Sign product. me up. I mean, it's, it's... Put the hoodie on. Take a picture. I'm the same thing. I'm fired up for the LPGA to return. I, I cannot wait. I love what's going on on the LPJ. All right, folks, when Golf Today returns, we're catching up with a great friend of our show, great friend to golf, David Faraday, down in Orlando this week for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, sharing some of the great memories from this event. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And by the new Ping Glide Forged Pro Wedges. Get fit today. Back on Golf Today this week, the PGA Tour makes its next stop in the city beautiful Orlando, Florida for the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill Club and Lodge, longtime home to the great Arnold Palmer golf course in great condition, rough, juicy, as Mr. Palmer would prefer. One of the best statues in all of golf stands right there between the first and the 10th tee. You go to Bay Hill, you take a picture in front of it, you post it on social. That is what you should do to honor the legacy of Mr. Palmer, always around Bay Hill. We're excited to be joined by one of our colleagues and one of the great voices and people in the game. David Faraday joins us now. And David, we were talking earlier about the PGA Tour. You start in Hawaii, it's pretty relaxed. You go West Coast, and all of a sudden it gets a little more business-like in Florida. How does it feel like for the players making the transition from West to the East Coast? Yeah, uh, Shane, it's definitely uh, a transition from uh, Poa Anya to Bermuda is probably the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, we saw last week a lot of the guys struggling on the greens, struggling to read them because of the grain. Um, you know, and we've got the, the Florida weather here. There's no chance of uh, it's, it can't possibly rain because I'm at a golf tournament. You know, I've been <laughs> with NBC for seven years now, and I've never been involved with a rain delay. Wow. You know, so... Uh, yeah, I am the, the good luck charm. Let's keep that streak going this week, David. Well, you're also hosting next week's World Golf Hall of Fame ceremony headline by Tiger Woods. You've known him for a long time. How do you even encapsulate one of the most fascinating careers in the history of sports? 
that's that's a very good question. I'm not sure that I'm able to do it, but I'm going to take a shot at it. That's for sure. I, I remember the first time that I saw him on the golf course. The first time that I heard his name, uh, I thought, Tiger Woods, is that a golf course in India? You know, <laughs> um, I, I knew that little about him. And, you know, I went out on the golf course and he made me look stupid for the best part of 25 years. And that's something that, Shane, you, you know that I'm uh, quite handy doing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, another guy you know very well, of course, is Roy McIlroy, the 2018 champ at Bay Hill. Another big year ahead for him. He's shown us tears at the Ryder Cup. He got the win in Vegas, says he likes what he sees in the mirror after chasing distance and hearing different coaching voices. What are your expectations for Rory? Well, th this is, uh, you know, one of the ones, well, it's the one, you know, that he thinks about. Uh, was it 2011 where he unraveled? Um, on on the the backside there and and uh, it, it's just a, a tournament that that it gets their their juices flowing especially Rory's he'll be one of the favorites no matter how he's played in the run up to it it's just it's that kind of a tournament the Masters where certain players are always going to be you know up in the the front running as far as the the uh, bookmakers are, are concerned. David, I got a chance to chat with you at the Hero, and you'd had a talk with Roy McIlroy, and you came into the booth, and you said, every time I talk to the kid, I'm more impressed by him. How impressed are you seeing Roy McIlroy go about his business for the better part of 10 years? Yeah, it's been amazing to watch him. I interviewed him on my show when, when he was real little. Well, he was about 19, 18, 19 years of age. And then 10 years later, I went back to interview him, and it was very interesting to see you know, the, uh, the evolution of Rory McIlroy. He, uh, he, he's grown up to be an extraordinary young man and, and a great ambassador for the game, you know, both on and off the golf course. Um, and every time I'm with him, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still I'm more impressed. And I know he's from the same town as me, you know, and I shouldn't be biased, but I, I'm not. If you ask anybody uh, about Rory McIlroy, you know, they'll tell you the same thing. All right, David, so we got to go back to something real quick. You're saying you've never, never, seven years, no rain delay. I mean, does Tommy Roy still issue you rain gear? Do you carry it with you when the weather's supposed to be bad? Are you anti-umbrella? Like, what's the approach knowing when you're on the golf course it's not going to be bad weather? I, I was always anti-umbrella, although I, ne I need to be more of an umbrella guy now because in a wet T-shirt I look like a ruptured sofa, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> You know, something you'd find under a bridge, maybe on the interstate, with springs sticking out of it. That kind of thing. So I, I, I would need an umbrella if there were going to be rain, but there isn't. Well, David, I tell you what. One year ago, Bryson DeChambeau was making it rain, hitting these 370-yard drives on the par five sixth hole. He is not in the field this week. He is not yet healthy. Any concern that as entertaining as he is with this 200-mile-per-hour ball speed that he could be doing long-term damage to his health and his fortunes going forward. Well, th there's been a lot of talk about that, you know, but he's got that one plane swing that, that doesn't really put a great deal of pressure, you know, on. He just takes it back in that one piece and unloads from there. But I think he's wise probably not playing this week. The rough looks pretty thick out there. And any kind of time you've got a wrist injury, you know, you've got to be really careful when you come back. David, if you could, we'd love to hear about the first time you got a chance to interact, to chat, to talk with Mr. Palmer. Oh, wow. 
first time I met Mr. Palmer was I, I had won the Irish PGA Championship and qualified for a couple of other PGA Championships around the world, and the Canadian was one of them. And Arnold was the defending champion in 1980, uh, the Canadian PGA Championship. I got drawn with him in the first two rounds. And, you know, Arnold didn't know me from, from a block of wood, whatever, but when he, when he shook hands with me in the first tee, he said, congratulations on winning the Irish PGA. I know where you're from. I know uh, how you got here. The be best of luck. I mean, taking the time to figure out who I was. And when I shook hands with him, I mean, you knew you were in the presence of greatness when you shook hands with, with Arnold Palmer. There was a warmth, a kind of an electricity almost, you know, and he made you feel like you were the only person, uh, you know, with him at that particular moment. He really was uh, amazing. I went out and... Uh, I had to go into the scorer's uh, uh, area afterwards and steal my scorecard uh, <laughs> because it had Arnold Palmer's signature on it, and it's, it's, in my, uh, it's in my office to this day. Wow. Love that story. Nobody like Arnold Palmer. Nobody like David Faraday. David, thanks for making us laugh and spending a few minutes. Have a great week in Orlando. We'll see you next week down in Jacksonville. You will. No rain there either. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Let's Never keep that gonna streak rain. going. Let's Never gonna keep rain on David that Faraday. streak going. David Faraday on a Tuesday. Well, someone like to put on that red cardigan yes. at the end of the week. How about Ricky Fowler still searching for his first win since 2019? A look at the state of his game when we return. We're back on golf today. Tricky Ricky, Mr. Fowler, Richard Flower, the Ricky, whatever you want to call him. Just know that our dude is searching for his first PGA Tour win since 2019. 2019, D. Oh, my goodness gracious. And entering this tournament a year ago, you might recall he missed the cut in three of his six prior tournaments. No top 15s, no wins in his previous 41 tournaments. And finished, of course, 72nd. But earlier in that week, at this very tournament one year ago, Ricky opened up about the depths of the struggle. That's very frustrating. Um, you know, it's made it, you know, at times, you know, tough between, you know, Joe and I on the course. I mean, um, we have a great relationship. We've known each other for a long time. But, I mean, when I'm out there and I'm not hitting shots that I'm visualizing and seeing and, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's It's tough for all of us that are involved from, you know, my caddy to... You know, my wife, she's having to deal with me at home. I'm, I'm trying to be the best husband that I can, uh, not not bringing golf back back home. But, you know, when you're out on the road that long and on the grind, putting in the work at home, you know, it's it's pretty much been all golf. A lot of people have asked, you know, have you been able to fish much at home? It's like not really. I've been, you know, days that I have off, I just take completely off. Um, and then it's it's been workout therapy and, and golf. Um so, yeah, everyone that's part of my team, from Coach, Tillery, um, you know, I haven't really seen my agent a whole lot with the restrictions and them not being able to travel, but my, my trainer, Derek, um, you know, we're all in this together and we're going to keep keep battling it out. But, yeah, it's it's been frustrating. I'm ready to be past that. And since Bay Hill one year ago, not a lot to lean on. He did have that T8 at the PGA at Key when you thought, well, maybe, just maybe, but then T53 – at the Open, one top five finish at the CJ Cup. Missed the cut in three of his last five tournaments. If you see that world ranking, very un-Ricky Fowler-like, 122nd in the world, I guess, Shane, which begs the question, you know, 
Where is Ricky Fowler right now? Well, I think Ricky Fowler is still searching for that as well. And I think you heard it in his voice a year ago, and I think you see it in some of his play right now. I mean, I'll take you back to January, D, because I talked a lot about 2021 being kind of the emergence year of the superstar. Yeah. And I was thinking we might be on that same path in 2022. You remember what Ricky Fowler did at Torrey Pines to open, play in the North Course, goes out there on fire. And I jumped out on social media and threw this up. On social, a tweet about Ricky Fowler and what I hoped to see. You know, that Spieth ride last year during the first few months was as much fun as I'd had watching golf in a long time. Do you remember that? Yeah. We're having so much fun with Jordan Spieth in this play in Scottsdale at Pebble on his way to that victory in Texas. And I said, here's hope in 2022. Is that for Ricky? The next day after that 66, after I sent the tweet out, he shoots 76, 10 shots worse on the south course. He misses the cut. And that's a little bit of what we've seen, frankly, from Ricky Fowler over the last few years is when it's been good, it's immediately followed up by the bat. Mm. And that's when you know the game still isn't quite where he wants it to be. Because typically you'll see the signs one or two rounds in a row of playing good golf, or you have a week where maybe you didn't shoot anything crazy low, but you shot 68 for four days in a row, you drove it well, you putted it well, you hit your irons play. Nothing's really working for him right now, D. The, the game isn't quite there. And when you talk about the stretches, and you know I love diving into the mini stretches from the pro golfer, and you look back at 2014 to 2016, seem to be Ricky's stretch. Yeah. And he's a 33-year-old now, and golf is only going to get tougher for him. The players are only going to get tougher for him. He's 33 years old, and, and the whole formula has changed. Yes. Now you have John Rahm. John Rahm wasn't around on the PGA World Tour number from one. 2014 to 2016. Colin Morikawa was still in his early days. World number two. Had Cal. I mean, you, know, you can go on and on. Justin Thomas, you know, was just getting started, you know, learning about this kid from Alabama. Victor Hovland wasn't around in 2014, 15, 16. Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns. I mean, you can go on and on down the list of Tony Fien. I mean, these are guys that Ricky Fowler has to find a way. So it's not just about finding his own game. How do you overcome the consistency of the players above him? And I will say this. That interview last year was with Steve Burkowski. And one thing I've noticed from Ricky over the last year or so is an earnestness. He is not afraid to spend time with reporters right. and, and open up a vein and be honest and vulnerable. I had my moment with him at Kiowa before that PGA championship, and he said, man, I am trying. Yep. I, I'm working hard. I'm trying to figure this thing out. He walked up to me to talk about it. You know, sometimes when someone's struggling and you're a reporter, you kind of give them the, you know, <laughs> you go go ahead and walk. You know, I'm not, But he actually sought me out and wanted to talk, and I think that that's, that's a good quality that he has. There's an earnestness about how he's going about his business, but it, it's hard for him right now. And when the putter, which was a superpower for him, and he's deep in the hundreds in strokes gained putting, and we're seeing him you know, try a new putter as he did last week, different company. We've seen him with the sunglasses right. and, and sometimes not the sunglasses. This is someone in full-on search mode. Look at statistics, and you mentioned the putting. I mean, this is a guy that was 23rd in driving distance on the PGA Tour in 2016. He was 98th last season in driving distance. Strokes gained approach back in 2015. He was 15th mm. in that department, 157th last season. And you said the putter. This is what we've known Ricky Fowler to be, was the guy that you could really lean and rely on from 8 to 10 feet. He led the PGA Tour in strokes gained putting in 2017. This season, 175th and strokes gain putting, nothing's really working. Yeah. When things aren't working, when you can't lean on something, you know, typically a player can lean on the driver. Go, at least right. I know I'm going to hit 11 fairways, or I'm a great iron player. At least I'm going to hit 14 greens, and we'll figure out what I do when I miss the other four greens because I'm not maybe I'm not a great pitcher 
or I'm not rolling it well. But when you can't hit fairways and you can't hit greens and you're not making those five footers that you made for three, four, five years every time you needed it, golf gets extremely hard and it gets so much more stressful. You're adding stress to every other part of your game. Yeah. There's a reason we love Ricky Fowler. He's he's a good guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, he's one of the good guys. Yeah. And yep. Joe Scovran, his caddy, yep. one of the good guys. These are people that you want to root for and we both want to see, as golf fans do, Ricky to get back to that level. The scary thing is, is that is that a capable thing for yeah. Ricky Fowler at this point, considering to your point, the depth and looking at his game right now, it's not even close to what it was when he was really dominant. Earlier this morning, I was so concerned. I wanted to find out his exempt status. Our great researcher, yes. Alex, said that that victory at the players has him exempt through 2022-2023, not to mention career money earning and different cards he can play should it get to that point. He's not at that point yet. But the fact that, I even, that it even crossed my mind that you would have a player who, you know, had such a great 2014 when he finished in the top five in all four majors, who won the Players' Championship in 2015, has great wins at the Scottish and in the playoffs in Abu Dhabi, you know, it's the Honda he's won, Phoenix. He's had some really good yes. moments when that putter is just magic. But it's just been such a long time. And now he has to do it in an era where we may not have a dominant player. There's no Tiger you know, out there. There's no Jack. But there are a lot of very, very good players who are just tasting their power. John Rahm just getting started. Colin Marikawa just getting started. It's under that formula that Ricky Fowler has to find a way not just to, to contend and win golf tournaments but become relevant again. And right now he's just not relevant on the PGA Tour. One of Ricky's great skills was the consistency. Yeah. When you look, and you mentioned top five in all the majors, I mean, that had been Tiger and Jack to that point. There right. have been some names that Steve added themselves also, to the yeah. list. I yep. think Brooks kept on that list yep. as well. I mean, there have been players that have done it since then, but when you're in the category of Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods and that's it, you've done something pretty remarkable yeah. in our sport. The consistency was always there for Ricky when you actually brought up the victories, mm. right? Is Ricky going to win more? Well, he doesn't win as much, but look how often he's getting himself in contention. He's never in contention anymore. I'd love to see Ricky find one thing on the golf course that works. And you said it. It's not like he's not searching. I mean, this yeah. is a guy that's working very, very hard to get back there. It is very frustrating. D, I can tell you, from my experiences trying to play for money in this yeah. game, it is so hard not to take that stuff home. And Ricky said in the interview last year with Steve Burkowski, to not take those negative emotions home, it's so hard to get in your car and somehow detach yourself by the time you get home because it feels like it's doomsday all the yeah. time. When you play bad golf, when that's what you do for a living, it is so hard to just get away from it anywhere. You feel like you can't hide from it. And then he has the double whammy of being on every other commercial. Yeah, always He's visible. exposed. I mean, he is a great pitchman that he is, and what a positive influence he is in the game. But to not be playing the golf that you are, and you're still very commercially successful, it's almost a double-edged sword because, yes, he wants to have the commercial success, but you know he wants to have the success inside the ropes as well. Considering who he is and who he's looked up to and who he's followed in terms of being a professional mm. golfer, this week would make a lot of sense to see Ricky return to a little bit of glory.